With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And this evening, I am delighted to be joined by Russell Boyce and Lawrence Conley. Now, before we talk about um, a fantastic away win for Celtic in Europe this evening, um, we were very saddened earlier on today to hear that the uh, the manager of St. Rocks, Paul Kelly, very sadly passed away peacefully this afternoon. And uh, we want to pass on our regards and our respects to all of his friends and his family and everybody within the wider St. Rock's community. Um, he had been in the Axome studio. He helped us out with the, the charity weekend of last December. and uh, He very sadly passed away. So thoughts and prayers with everybody who knows Paul. And uh, we hope that, um, you know, Stevie Mullen and everybody at The Rock um, will know that 
he's in our thoughts and prayers and everybody that knows him will be very sad that he's untimely passing as well. So say a wee prayer for Paul and his family tonight. Uh, and But this is the day that we win away. Um, Russell, everybody was calling for a bad to come off at half-time. They proved them wrong, didn't they? He was very, very impressive. That finish was outstanding. It was an acute angle. He took it with a plum. Uh, I think it was the right thing to do to keep him on anyway. As I say, I, I felt he was playing with a wee bit more confidence in that first half than perhaps we'd seen in his last sort of dozen of games. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was the right thing to do. He had an assist already on the, on the stats board, whatever you want to call it. And then he goes and gets a goal. A beautiful fruit ball by Kyogo, of course. But, uh, yeah, just a bad brilliant. He brings... He brings a lot to the team when he's on, on form like that. And again, you might just see him ramp up a few notches now with the you know, the presence of James Forrest now being, you know, back in the first team picture as well. And like we've touched on before, it's just a wonderful option or a couple of options to have on that side of the park. And mm-hmm. I, I would expect them fully to both go on and push each other this season and both of their both of their seasons actually end up pretty fruitful. You know, it, it was interesting on the sixty eighth minute to see the, the triple change because it shows you that we do have options. There was a few people who um, looked at Yakimakis' performance against Livingston uh, and were unimpressed. I think that he showed enough in the 20 minutes or so when he came on that he does have, Lawrence, a football brain. I mean, holding the ball up, winning, uh, you know, we niggly challenges in winning free kicks, frustrating their back line to the point where, uh, you know, that that booking was probably an hour um, after it should have been because, I mean, he got away with two or three in the first half. But Yakimakis showed his experience and he was very crafty and, and sometimes in a game um, away from home in Europe, you've got to be. Yeah, I mean, you saw the wee look over his shoulder, saw where the boy was and, and, and just bought a free kick. And he'd done that a few times. You know, he bought a free kick and he's, he's killed the game. Ange making the triple sub meant that we still had another two subs to make when we got to, you know, Beaton picks up, whether it's an injury or a bit of cramp, gets some minutes in McCarthy. I mean, we called two of the three subs, didn't we? We said, you know, wait till 60, 70 minutes and we'd take Abad and Kyogo off and bring Yakima and, and Forrest on. We didn't call Yota coming off, but, you know, protects three your, your, your informed players, mm-hmm. keeps them safe. And gets minutes in the legs of guys that need it. I thought James McCarthy done really well when he came on. He did. Few few decent blocks. That ball to Turnbull as well just changed the pace of it. You know, Turnbull wins a, a free kick. Yeah, it's great performance for us. You know, we, we lose a, a late goal, but really they, they were needing to draw level with us in head to head. They were going to need to beat, beat us by two goals. By the time yeah. they lost that goal, they were never getting another three. You know, it's. It was a consolation. I mean, at no point. I know that Joe Hart was very unhappy with his defence. I don't think uh, Ralston closed closed them down quickly enough. I think uh, Carter Vickers even was maybe guilty, you know, moving um, out of the, the road of the ball as well. And and Hart was very unhappy with that because he want he wants to have the two goal cushion going into the last couple of minutes. But let's talk about the goal, Russell. I'm going to come to yourself. We had a corner kick. We played it short. And they lost the ball. David Turnbull loses the ball. He's five yards away from their touchline. He wins the ball back five yards away from the halfway line. Unbelievable a bit of tenacity to win that ball back. And when he wins it back, he takes his time. He plays the correct pass. By the time it gets to Kyogo, 
the, the when you look at the weight, the way that he's used his body weight to get in front, even though he's in complete control of the ball, to get in front of the on, oncoming defender, and then that pass was just absolutely sublime. There was a wee bit of frustration. There was a wee bit of criticism about Abada at half time. That's seven goals. That's a that's a, a guy who's just turned twenty year old, and he's scoring important goals again in Europe. That was a fantastic goal from start to finish. Absolutely, and I think I'm sure I know you do your schedules very organised, Paul. Even during a during a half of football, I'm sure there will be a chapter called David Turnbull because for me that was the best he's played this season, particularly that second half. I thought he was outstanding. The goal summed up two sides to him. Two sides from that one that we became a wee bit of a custom to. You know, the brilliant pass to Kyogo. But the tenacity to win that ball back, I hadn't really seen much of that before. And it was a proper 50-50 that he's won there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then again, like you say, once he's done that, it's not because the adrenaline's pumping and he's, he can't keep his cool. He keeps his cool. Plays a brilliant pass to Kyogo. He sticks the butt out, turns his man, and the weight of the pass is... It's like it's not even on the grass. It's just like sort of floating above the grass. It's just perfect, isn't it? And Abad's still got a bit to do there, though, right? And up, despite how yeah. good the pass is from that angle. Controlled. Absolutely controlled. Yeah. And, and we've not even mentioned Kyogo's hair. I mean, if we're going to be asking the fashionista, we're going to have to ask you, Russell, um, are we changing direction on Kyogo's hairstyle? And to be fair, I think it suits him. Um, but when, when you're looking... <laughs> when is that, is that peroxide? Is that not natural? When, when you're looking at Turnbull, I remember when Antiposter Cogley came in and we tried our best to get a, an overview of his style, the type of players that were going to suit his style, Russell. And we spoke to, to Dan Orowitz, who is a journalist for the Japan Times. We spoke to Jared um, from uh, Celtics Down Under. We tried to get an idea of the types of players who would be suiting Angie's style. And one of the worrying things was was it appeared that David Turnbull may not suit Ange Postacoglu. And the argument was that he likes his forward players to be good at winning the ball back. And yeah. we hadn't seen a great deal of that. For, for all the silkiness of David Turnbull, we hadn't seen a great deal of that. And we lamented the loss of uh, El Yunusi and Christie because they were particularly good at winning the ball back. And we've seen it tonight, not only with, with David Turnbull, We've seen it from Anthony Ralston. He goes up the park, loses the ball, and he, but he wins it back at the halfway line. So he, he's drilling this into the players who previously weren't great at doing that. Yeah, awesome. you put that to me. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah no, I, I agree. The, the tenacity of Turnbull's moment, and then again, you're right to highlight Ralston's one mm. because he does make an error. But that's going to happen. That happens in a game. I love the fact that Ralston now just takes full responsibility when he makes a mistake. You know, he plays, I think, he's played in this season, particularly maybe the last half dozen of matches, above his years, mm. right? In terms of, you know, there's moments that you're now going to, you're going to encapsulate, all, you know, you put them all together, you look at the moments where he's, he's starting on defenders who are picking on Kyogo, you know? He's pulling guys up off the ground. Yeah, He's thundering at the tackles that matter. And then you get that tonight. He makes a mistake. Who's going to pick up, you know, my mess? I'll do it myself. I think that's that's really encouraging to see from Ralston. And again, like we were saying about this age group of players, I would guess David Turnbull's, what, 22? Mm-hmm. Maybe 23 now? Something around the same age as your Ralston's, for example. 
think a bit of what Ralston's impact has rubbed off on David Turnbull when you see that 50-50 there. I mean, just I'm getting over excited about Ralston, but I've never seen Turnbull crash into a 50-50 shoulder to shoulder like that with such sort of channeled, albeit, aggression. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was brilliant to see that side to his game. That tenacity is something that I didn't really attribute to him and nor have I particularly looked for it in David Turnbull. But to see it's brilliant. And if you can start getting guys doing that, and again, maybe not just the, the influence of Ralston, you look at we Kyogo's tracking back from the start of the season. We've spoke about it numerous times. Not just his actual work rate, but the amount of tackles he makes, side tackles to put the ball out of play, you know, chasing back players, you know, whether it's been his mistake or not right enough. And maybe they are. This is one of the messages from the manager that they're all beginning to pick up on slowly but surely. And I certainly hope if it is one of Angie's messages that it's work rate, and, you know, and everyone's got to dig deep, you know, if you've, you've got to track back, there's, everyone's got to be a runner. I'm all for it. And I thought we'd seen tonight all the good bits about what Angie's trying to do. And again, Celtic proved tonight that they are a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. And that is what's happening again. You know, if you look at Hibs away last week, mm-hmm. we, were, we were gushing over that first half hour. You look at Livingston, miserable Saturday afternoon, as dross as I've seen us all season. And then you look at tonight, particularly the first sort of, I thought, 25 minutes that second half, some of the intricate play we played was outstanding on a few separate occasions. And you begin to get that excited way again, thinking, is this where we're going? And it's just trying to sustain it a bit, which I appreciate will take time, but a lot to be positive about tonight. No, that you're was right. your question. <laughs> No, it was a good answer, regardless. Um, when we we looked at the lineup, Lawrence, all week we've been talking about a couple of the the uh, dilemmas that perhaps Ange faced. Maybe they weren't dilemmas to him. Maybe they were obvious choices. Um, in the centre half position, we we lost Carl Starfelt. He's out for a couple of games. He'll miss the Dundee game as well. We bring in Stephen Welsh. Let's have a wee chat about Stephen Welsh's performance. He comes back in from the cold, Lawrence, and I thought he equipped himself very well tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched it at half-time. A couple of mistakes. One, you know, he slips. The other ball gets caught, caught under his foot. But he remains calm and recovers both. He, he doesn't panic. He's, he's done well in the air. He's done well with his passing. He just looks at an assured player, doesn't he? Beyond his years, uh, he's definitely a guy we can rely on. He's had, he's had a great uh, season so far, I would say. You know, when he's been in the team, he's not like self down or, or, or Celtic down. So it's good that we've got someone like that that can step in. Uh, and when you look across that, that defence, what's he, 22, 23? It's a young defence. I mean, Carl Vickers is only 23. 22 yeah. for Ralston. And what's your run about? 25, 26. Really yep. young defence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a defence, you know, if they keep playing like that, they, they can definitely play for a number of years together. But I think, you know, Ange has shown us that he got his subs right. You know, he's we can make three different uh, groupings of subs, shall, shall we say. He's protected three good players. And then he's been able to give minutes to McCarthy, which we were also talking about. Mm-hmm. And Scales gets a wee bit of time when he takes Welsh off. It's... I don't think we could have got anything more for the game, could we? You, you, you know, another win, you know. Really good performance. Abada, I mean, that finish, I think early in the season, he's putting his laces through it. He side foots that in at the bottom corner. You know, he doesn't panic. He, he knows what he's doing. It's right in the bottom corner. It's great performance all round. 
I thought it was a great performance. All right. What was your thoughts on Stephen Welsh, Russell? Yeah, I thought he had a good game. Just complete composure. Just to quickly touch on the subs, I think um, just because I answer whatever question I want these days, Paul, it seems. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I just get drifted on tangents. But the substitute thing, I think, uh, is really important. I thought that was the right way around we did it tonight. It was the same way around we could have done it on Saturday. Um, get the job done and then sort of, you know, rest the legs of the likes of Kyogo because what's a difference he makes? And again, I thought the subs Ange actually made tonight, the triple sub might have looked bold, but it was right on every count. Right on every count for various reasons. For the players going off and protecting their conditioning, fatigue or whatever, mm-hmm. and to give minutes in the legs of the likes of Johnston, Giacomacchus, who Johnson's coming back from a long-term injury. Giacomacchus hasn't played a lot of football, as we know, since the, the end of the Dutch season last year. It was all at the right time, and I hope as well. You know, I think, you know, sometimes it's easy to react really negatively to a defeat, um, uh, or particularly aim at, at the manager, perhaps, because he's been in charge for 18 games. Giacomacchus, I felt, got it a wee bit too tight for one poor game. You know, where I feel like he's actually been looking all right so far. And I thought tonight, again, the European stage seemed to suit him very well. Um, Back to your question about Stephen Welsh. 100%, no qualms about it. You you feel confident putting him in the team. Yeah, you do. That, that again, is a good point about Yakamakis, though, because he did get a fair bit of criticism. He didn't have a great game. He misses the penalty against Livingston. But I think back to the the performance at Celtic Park against Ferenc Farros, where he's come on and he's held the ball up so, so well. He's winning free kicks. And I think to the the other option that we have, who who wasn't even on the bench tonight in Albion Ayeti, I've never seen any of that from um, Albion Ayeti. So... Yakimakis, I think, yeah, it's important that we get as many minutes in his legs as possible. Um, and Livingston was just a bad day at the office. I mean, he, here's a player who, for me, I thought he showed a lot of good touches. He's got quick feet, you know, and I think that Juranovic, uh, something that we didn't point out at halftime was the importance of his saving tackle just before the halftime whistle. He was quiet in the first half, Juranovic, playing in the, obviously, an unfamiliar left-hand side of the defence. But he, he won a very important tackle just before halftime, and it seemed to um, give him a wee boost in the second half. I thought he was excellent in the second half, very comfortable with the ball at his feet, uses the ball really well. And he's very, you know, the tempo goes up when he gets the ball, Russell. He's very comfortable at taking yeah. on a player and passing it very quickly. I think Lawrence made a very good point earlier on about McCarthy. Up the right-hand side, as good as it looked, Yakimakis uh, and James Forrest were playing the ball about. It came to McCarthy, and they completely changed the tempo of the game with that through ball. He'd done the same thing against Wraith Rovers. I know it was a different standard of opposition. And we ended up winning the corner kick, uh, a free kick rather, because David Tumble wins the ball and, he, and he's fouled. Um, what was your thoughts on... James McCarthy, I know he wasn't on the park for a great length of time. He comes on in 77 minutes for Beaton Lawrence. Uh, we had a good conversation and discussion about him at the beginning of the game. It don't, I don't think he put a foot wrong. No, yeah. listen, he's a level above most of the players at, at the club just now, isn't he? You know, he, he's a proven EPL level player. He's an internationalist. As you say, he can change the, the pace of the game or the tempo of the game with just one pass. He won a few important headers. He was blocking runs. Yeah, he just slotted straight in, didn't he? And it's it's minutes in another player. 
that, that needs minutes in his legs. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about before the game, you know, when's it going to be the right time for him? Well, it's came on today, you know. I know it's only, what, 13 minutes plus four injuries, 17 minutes. But he's not put a foot wrong. Even if he is to be the backup. And I mean, listen, it was a wee bit of tongue-in-cheek before the game that we're talking about Victor Wanyama because he's come out, and I don't know if he's been led into the, the conversation, he's come out and said that he wanted to sign for Celtic under Neil Lennon. It's the club he wants to return to. That is the position, that number six. And we seem to have an issue with that. So tonight we play Beaton. Um, how do you think Beaton played Russell? Yeah, I think particularly second half, I was quite impressed with Beaton, to be honest. I actually feel he gets more confident as the game grows up, grows on. I, I don't know. I know it's a lot of safe passes that he plays, but I also think he lacks a wee bit in a belief at times. And that's the reason for the, the sideways balls. See, once we got the two-goal cushion, you want, I want, there was one moment, he's, he's just inside the centre circle, and there's a wee sort of shimmy, and this beautiful, just like sort of eight yard, ten yard pass to the, uh, to the out to, towards the left hand side, and it was quick thinking, and it's forward, and it actually progresses the Celtic attack. He didn't do any of that on Saturday again, you know. And I wonder if once we get in front, you actually start seeing him loosening up for the want of a better term. I think he, he loosens up and he shows a wee bit more of his ability that he obviously has. You know, this guy was it. Man City on trial before we signed him, if, if mm. you recall. In fact, ironically played in Australia, I believe, on on his trial match. Because um, I remember watching the highlights before he signed. But I think Beaton maybe allows Cal McGregor to, I don't know, express himself a bit more. I certainly wonder if David Turnbull took the game by the scuff like we were alluding to before the game because... Tom Rogic wasn't there and he felt he had to or because he's got that safety net of beat on behind him and again like McGregor he feels more comfortable taking more risks I, again though to counter that why it didn't happen on Saturday I'm not entirely sure but based on Beaton's performance tonight can't take anything away from it although I agree with Lawrence I think when McCarthy came on again he did absolutely nothing wrong he leaves another question mark over as to is it a fitness thing? Will someone just come out and say that? Because it might make us all feel a bit better about it that we're building them up to, to match fitness because if it is a, a straight shootout between two 100% fit players, I think most people would like to see McCarthy ahead of Beaton. Nothing to take away though from Beaton's performance tonight. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
absolutely. Let's get some of the comments coming in. Um, we're kicking around at the 13, 1400 live. So thank you all for tuning in. We are going out live on Facebook, on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Mark McMonigle, a bad I must have been listening to the podcast during halftime. Come on, you boys in green. I think the three of us were saying, you know, don't take them off just yet. Uh, there will be an occasion uh, during the game and an opportunity to bring on Forrest, but, you know, Andrew's proven right. Abada got his chance and, by God, he did take it. David Kelly comes in, long-time viewer. Welcome to the show, David. Been a critic of his, but Turnbull has had one of his best games for us tonight. Looks like he is maturing as a player. Uh, I wouldn't say you've been a critic. Yeah, but Lawrence, you have picked up on a few performances by Turnbull over the last few months. Uh, but tonight was one of his better games, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely one of his better games. You know, that tenacity showed. Uh, I suppose it goes back to what Ange said, you know, we never stop. It's, it's a feeling a lot of footballers have, whether they you know, play a good pass and they stand and watch it, or that they make a mistake and, and they stop for a minute. You know, I think the players are starting to get it. You know, we never stop. You make a mistake, you don't stop. You go, you get the ball back, you do everything you can. Listen, when he delays that pass to McGregor just to let McGregor get a wee bit further forward and McGregor, you know, it, it makes it easy for him, doesn't it? Definitely one of his better games from Turnbull and we do we do forget probably he's only 22, but listen, maybe they do feel better with Beaton behind them and we've got to remember Beaton's getting used to playing as a defensive midfielder again. He's had played for so long as a, as a centre-half for us, so maybe he's grown in confidence that the more he's playing in that position for us. Yeah, I th- I, you know the thing we beat on. We were looking at his career uh, last last week, and the fact that you know next season he will be celebrating nine years at the club. And when you look at the transition at Celtic, we're going through. We had the discussion at the, during the preseason around Scott Brown and whether we should have kept him for the transition, Russell. But you know when you look at his experience at Celtic, the honours that he won as the captain, uh, there was a concern that we were losing too many heads of departments. And you know Peter Lowell leaving the club, Neil Lennon leaving the club, Scott mm-hmm. Brown. We didn't know we were going to lose two CEOs. Um, but you should be able to look at a player like Neil. Uh, Neil, uh, Nero, Nero Beaton, uh, and and say, well, he's been at the club for nine years. He's the guy you should be able to hang your hat on. He's the guy that should be able to come in on the big games and settle down a lot of these younger players. We're talking about how young a lot of the, the core of the team is. Well, let's look to Nero Beaton as well as your James Forrest and Callum McGregor. I think Beaton needs to step up to the to the mark and, and perform like he did tonight. He he needs to add a bit of composure. Um, to his performances, and I think we saw that this evening. Well, it's a marked improvement from his uh, European outing against Mitchelland, where it was a petulant action that really did cost Celtic that night. You know, what might have been, you know, because we were in cruise control in that game, and hopefully that is the last time we see him doing one of those silly actions, because I think you're right. The benefits of Beaton can certainly be seen, and if he can actually just put a mature head on his shoulders, you know, for the amount of experience that he's got, Use it. You know, use that experience. And I thought tonight, for the for the best part, I thought he did. I think, you know, the Pataudry game obviously stands out um, as one of his better games. And perhaps you'll see a bit of a, you know, a bit of a comeback for Beaton. For me, he's had a lot of bites at the apple, though, you know. I think, or whatever the saying is, I'm terrible at that. But I think, you know, he's had a lot. A of- couple of bites at this cherry, is it not? That might be it. 
But aye, a couple of betons, I think. But aye, I think he's just, over nine years, he's had enough time now to have cemented that jersey and to be that influence like you're talking about, like James Boris, Cal McGregor's and I just think, like, tonight, yes, it was brilliant. And I, I won't be positive with the team's performance, first and foremost, by the way. So I thought it was excellent, Beaton included. Would I be looking at him as a guy to hang my hat on? I just don't know. I just don't think he'll ever get that fair crack of the whip for the fans again anyway. To be honest, I think there's too much. You know, nine years is a long time not to be a regular, you know, and someone who's still trying to put people in the eye. Yeah, you ask yourself, you ask yourself uh, at what point was he ever, a, you know, the first pick? Uh, very few and far between has that been the case. I was talking earlier on today to Tony Haggerty about uh, one of the the best times of my Celtic supporting life, and that was during the time of Tommy Burns, where we only won one trophy, and we were talking about when he came to the club at that time. Charlie Nicholas and, and Pat Bonner had both been given free transfers. Um, not only did Tommy know them as a player and as a teammate, he also realised that the experience that they had and the knowledge they had at Celtic was going to be very important to him during the transitional period where we're playing away from Celtic Park. Yeah. You need that, you know, the experienced heads. And they didn't play much, but they were there and that was important. And I think that when I look at the likes of Nier Beaton and Tom Rodgers, they've always kind of been bit part players. And it's about time they stepped up to the plate and, and showed that kind of experience that you should have uh, being at a club like Celtic for nine years. We've brought in some experience in Joe Hart and James McCarthy and we have players that are the obvious leaders in James Forrest and Callum McGregor. But I just think, you know, tonight's performance by Beaton is a type of performance we should be expecting from someone with that experience, Lawrence. Well, yeah, listen, he's a 30-year-old professional footballer. He should be in his prime, shouldn't he? Uh, you know, he certainly looks a lot more comfortable in centre midfield than he, or defensive midfield than he, he does at centre half. And I think that's, he's going to have a future with us. That's what it's going to be. Mm. I'd rather see him there than Sorrow. And I, I think it is going to be, I'd ra- rather see him there than McGregor because it lets us put McGregor further forward. It frees him. Yeah. So I, I think it is going to be a straight shootout between him and McCarthy for, you know, to hold that, that jersey down. Uh, Beaton's, you know, he gives us a bit of extra height. And as we as we saw when we had to make subs against Levy when Staff uh, Starfield went off, you've always got the option when a team's not attacking you too much can drop back and be the second centre half. But listen, hopefully he can build on that uh, and and go on and nail the place down because you know he's an experienced international player. Mm-hmm. His ball retention's mm-hmm. great. He maybe doesn't try. As Russell kind of touched on earlier, doesn't try too many risky passes. Maybe that's down to his time playing at centre half. He's kind of. Iron blows out his mm. game, or, uh, he's, or when he's tried them at centre half, he's been punished. So hopefully, he gets a wee bit more confidence with those behind him and, and playing a position. He starts to make the, the game changing passes because he can do it. And, and we were talking about during the second half. He's a guy that used to have a decent long range shot that doesn't seem to, to hit them anymore. He doesn't seem to hit them at all. I mean, I was going to make the point. I thought that Callum McGregor was uh, well prepared for two or three occasions. He's hit a long range effort. We spoke about it before the game. Sometimes it's difficult to break down a side. So, so go for the long range effort. I don't just mean speculative pings from anywhere. You no. know, the shoot on site policy. And I think it fared us pretty well tonight. 
I know that we're playing different opposition, but we played completely differently tonight. There wasn't 20 crosses per half. You know, we played far more directly down the centre and it worked a treat because that intricate pass between, you know, Turnbull winning the ball, passing it to McGregor, onto Kyogo, onto Abada. What a well-crafted goal that is. That's what we can do. And it all went through the centre, Russell, rather than try to play it wide, try to get the ball in. Kyogo can't really get on the end of it. Even Yakimakis doesn't seem to have got on the end of much when we, we started them against Livingston. I'm going to bring this up because I feel after a result like tonight that it's a good result. It's away from home. It's a European game. Now, Ferenc Varos, absolutely. I mean... Their victory against Celtic last season, and I was talking to Willie McStay yesterday, um, who keeps an eye on Hungarian football because he was a manager at Huge uh, Pest yep. Dosha. He keeps an eye, he's got a very good knowledge of Hungarian football. He was talking about the impact of that victory to Hungarian football, the money coming in from, you know, Ferenc Varos actually beating Celtic last season and getting into the group stages of European football was massive. But it creates another kind of, like, uh, gap between the likes of Ferenc Varos and the chasing pack. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, they should be stronger than they were last season because obviously they've had the further investment, but they did lose their manager who was a massive part of their success. But I'm happy when we win a game like tonight away from home, some some Celtic fans are still looking at where we are when it comes to European football. So I'm going to bring up this point by Terence Pat, who, who comes in on a regular basis and you're watching on YouTube. Uh, welcome to the show. It's not negativity, it's realism. Some Celtic supporters are happy with Celtic going into the third tier of European football. I'm not. Standards have dropped. Now, when I, I was growing up, there were always three competitions in, in Europe, European football. Uh, because you had the Cup Winners' Cup, the European Cup and the UEFA Cup and they've been rebranded and changed and dropped, etc. But obviously, we've created uh, a, a third tournament. And in the four and a half years that we've been uh, running Axon, Lawrence, I'll come to you first, uh, we've gone from what I thought was a Champions League club. And I don't mean Champions League in terms of winning the competition. But under Brendan Rodgers, with that side, I felt that we should be qualifying for the group stages season on season. That that would have been my ambition. But as time's gone on and we win against Lazio and you're happy to win against Lazio, you then start thinking, well, maybe we are a, a Europa League club. But then this argument has come in and Russell, you've discussed it on the, the broadcast as well, that perhaps we're not even that. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I'm delighted we won the game tonight and we won the game at Celtic Park, but I also watched us being completely outplayed by Leverkusen at Celtic Park despite the fact a lot of people thought we, we did a lot right that night, I'm sorry, if you get beat 4 nothing at home, you've been outplayed, you're right? So where are we in terms of the European stage at this this point in time, Lawrence? I suppose it, we're building a new team and you're not going to be the finished article, you know, in Angie's first uh, foray into Europe. You know, I think it was 66, was it Liverpool beat us? No, Bobby Lennox offside goal chopped off yeah. at Anfield. Yeah, you know the team's very much a work in progress, and you know there's, there's potential there. Yeah, we could beat four 0 with Leverkusen, but there was a couple of things you know that we done right. Four three away from home with Betis. You'd probably taken a four three before the game. Maybe not done it when you're a few goals ahead. You, you know when you're two 0 up very quickly. But I said teams are work in progress, and. Who's to say, you know, next season, if we win the league, that we can't do well in the Champions League? I mean, Gordon Strachan always says, you know, you get two last 16s with uh, Caldwell and McManus, he's a centre-half pair. So, 
I'm sure we could probably do the same with if it remains Starfield and Carter Vickers. But listen, you know, would we beat Bayer five 0 away to overtake the head to head with them to climb it, or will we beat Betis? I don't know. But you know, listen, if it's third tier this year, and build a bit of experience for for next year's tilt the the group stages of the Champions League, why not? I just think, uh, in terms of the circumstances in which Ange entered the building, Russell, uh, any kind of European football beyond Christmas probably was unthinkable. I mean, we were entering the the qualification stages of the Champions League with one right-back at the club. One right-back. And that's why Tony Ralston played. I mean, we can't revise history. That's why he played. But he grasps the opportunity. He deserves the contract extension that he's got. But we had one right back. We went into the second leg with Stephen Welsh and Dane Murray playing at centre-half. In the first game, Barkas was in goals. Somehow he's managed to craft the team to get us to the stage we were looking beyond Christmas and we're saying, well, if we're still in Europe beyond Christmas. And I don't think it's lowering the expectations as such. I, th- I think it's taking stock of where we were when Ange Postacoglu came in and we're trying to find as many positives as possible. Yeah, Livingston was a tough a tough day at the office, but it wasn't a disaster. You know, there's going to be days like that, regardless of who your manager is. And I just think that if we go through uh, this year and we're still in Europe beyond Christmas, in many ways it will feel almost like a bonus because we are in a transition under Ange. Well, I felt we were more being complimentary about the performance tonight. As opposed to, you know, I don't remember getting the pom-poms out that were going to be in the conference league, guaranteed at least. It was more about the performance tonight was very encouraging. Mm. So that would be what I would say to Terence. I, I, I firmly am on board that I feel the expectation is getting dropped at times. But I believe also this season was, it was a minefield what was happening with the European campaign starting so early, Ange being appointed so late, the lack of options. Um, could some things have been done better potentially maybe there could have been maybe that's hindsight though you know at the end of the day he was picking up a squad that had you know let itself down last season that were letting players go although I do think we still had you know a couple of the players that we sold are still available against Mitchelland you know I think it was still I still think we should have got through that if I'm honest but whether we were to qualify for the group stage completely different argument in the Europa League for me, we've won home and away against the nearest competition to us. Mm-hmm. But I also never want to, I think this is what Terence means, I never want to get to a stage where I'm celebrating coming third to Real Betis and Leverkusen. That's, you know, the, the bare minimum. And you want to be competing with these guys. You want to not be getting humped 4-0 at home to Leverkusen because it, it shivers up your spine what they might do to us in, in Germany, you know? The Betis game at home, I hope it's still relevant when we play them. You know, imagine the scenes if we play them at home. That could be a brilliant game, you know? Mm-hmm. If we're playing them at home, winner takes all for the, at the, the next phase of the Europa League as opposed to the Conference League. And fans have to be careful what they wish for because a lot of the time when we were in the Champions League getting humped, there was a lot of stuff like, oh, you know, we're really a Europa League team. I'd rather we dropped in Europa League, finished third anyway because we've got a better chance at it. You might start hearing that narrative again, you know, over the next few weeks, that maybe it'd be better if we dropped in the, the conference league and make a fist of that. And I think that's what Terence is alluding to, that yeah. subconsciously you're dropping your standards. But on the basis of tonight, 
what I feel we're celebrating was a really accomplished away performance mm -hmm. that showed good measure with the likes of near beat on Stephen Welsh's and were raving about the goals we scored and how well crafted they were. All this done away from home with zero away fans in the stadium. That's what we're celebrating. I don't think anyone is going to be saying we want to be in the Conference League after Christmas. What we're saying is it's great to have that security with two games remaining. Now, let's make a push and get in the Europa League. And if that yeah. means, like Lauren says, having to get something in, in against Leverkusen away, do it. Go Have a go now because with, to me, the... the the reins are off, you know, we, we can have a go now in these next two games because we've got that safety net. But is it what we're aspiring to? No, Conference League is not what Celtics are aspiring to, I don't think. Well, earlier on today, uh, we had a great surprise in that two boxes arrived at the studio from Pi Sports, not Sky Sports, Pi Sports. Uh, they gave us <laughs> loads of pies and bovrels so we could watch the game. How good is that? Absolutely brilliant. And Maybe it was your intention for us to, to show the logo on the screen, and I'm happy to do that because your macaroni pies were really good, so thanks very much. And anybody else that wants to send us any freebies, yeah, feel free. Feel well, free. Well, listen, it's a former Celtic official pie, and I think I really should give a professional opinion on the, the steak pies. Uh, the the shock crust pastry, pastry was outstanding. A lot of meaty filling in them. Really rich, great pie. It really held together well. You know, back in the day, I think people used to throw pies at certain players, and I, I, I think that would have worked. A great pie. Well. It's been, been far too good a pie to throw. So away. the throwability factor um, adds to the, the quality of the pie then, Lawrence? Well, it did in 1980s football, yeah. But uh, I think that's far too good a, a pie to throw away. I mean, that, that is an outstanding pie. And, it, you know, whichever Celtic directors are, are watching tonight, it's perhaps a, a company should be contacted to get the pies in and try them. Well, the worst pie I've ever had at the football was at Tynecastle, and I'll never forget the game because it was the game where we, they beat us 3-1, Russell, and Celtic started. Celtic fans started singing Always Look on the Bright Side, right? Tommy Coyne scored for Celtic to make it one each, I think it was, and it was one each at half-time. And my old man went and got us two pies, and I'm not joking, you got a free drink because of the grease that came out of these these pies oh. was unbelievable. I can still taste it to this day. <laughs> so pie sports was much better than the Tynecastle pies of the early 90s, that's for sure. Mate, I would say they surpassed the Kelly pies, those state pies. Wow. And and by the way, Lawrence was an official pie eater. I mean, that no, is no, true. Celtic's official pie Celtic's eater. official pie really? eater. Really? Yeah, he was. He's, he's got the T-shirt to, to prove it as well. Um, and what he <laughs> says to me is that he built himself up almost like it was a training regime where he could eat six full-size pies in one sitting. And he tried to do it tonight, and he only got to four, and he struggled to eat the fourth. But he did eat four full-size pies mate, during that practice, game. And there's so much meat in there, mate. mate. So much protein in those steak pies. I think that's maybe why they're so filling. <laughs> you know, sometimes on a Thursday, JP and I get stick for talking about music too long. Um, and I think we've probably spoken about pies long enough as well. But it was an absolute pleasure for Russell and Lawrence to join us on a Celtic State of Mind. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We're well over 1,600 live. And if you haven't done so already, get subscribing on the channel. We're always giving away freebies. You might even get a free pie. There's a few more in the fridge. If you want them, I'll send them out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for getting involved with the Celtic State tonight.
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply